You are listening to Cornelia Church. Passion for God, compassion for people. Good morning. God is good. Hey, if I can get the lights turned on, that way I can see these beautiful people's faces. Happy Labor Day to you. Yes, there you are. You're looking good this morning. Man, you guys are looking good this morning. You're good-looking people. Hey, I want to tell you just uh, welcome. If it's your first time today, you're in a good place, okay? Um, I want you to know that you made a good decision to be here this morning and that God's going to talk to you, right? It's not me, uh, and, uh, you know, I don't know what you think about me. That doesn't really matter. I'm here to communicate to you how much God loves you and how much he wants you to grow this morning. And so I'm just praying that he's already been talking to you through this service. I know he has. Man, what a sweet sense of God's presence in the house today. God is, God is working, okay? God is on the move. Uh, so you should be encouraged today. You should, you should have hope in your heart. You should have expectation in your heart. God is alive. He, he loves you. He's working in you. He's working in your family. He wants to do good things. He's just looking for people that are willing to work with him uh, because he's ready to do that. And I just want to tell you that, uh, church, God's going to do some things in this place, in this house, in our families, in this community, and we just need to grab a hold of it and not miss what he's doing. This weekend, my name's Andrew, by the way, turn to your neighbor and say, you made a good decision to be here. Turn to your other neighbor and say, why didn't you look at me? <laughs> well, you could tell them too, you made a good decision to be here. <laughs> it's a good day today. It, it really is. Uh, this weekend is really um, what I would call kind of an in-between weekend. Uh, next week we begin our Mind the Gap All Church Study. Uh, and I just want to encourage you to be a part of that. For the next seven weeks, as an entire church, every weekend and all the small groups, we're going to be looking at the material, Mind the Gap, learning how to, to close the gap between our head and, and our heart. Uh, it's very possible for us to grow in our knowledge and our intellectual understanding of Scripture and who God is, but to have it not actually change who we are. And nobody needs just to, to know more. We, we need to actually change. Uh, and, and that's what we're going to be looking at. And, and so I, I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, last weekend was our emerging leader. And, uh, and so this weekend, really, it's all about getting ready for what we're about to do next week and in the next uh, coming weeks, the next 40 days. And, uh, and I just want to tell you up front, my whole goal for today is to get you into a group, is to get you committed to be engaged at a higher level in this next season. So no surprises, okay? It's not going to be like, surprise, at the end, you have to sign on the dotted line. <laughs> this is actually what I'm trying to do this morning, is I'm trying to stir you up. I'm trying to stir you up to engage at a higher level. And I think, I think I've got good reasons to do that because I know you and I know me and I know where we're at in our world and I know that we need to engage uh, in a deeper way in what God is doing. And so I want to talk to you this morning about rebuilding your life. And this is going to be hopefully inspirational for you. It's going to be motivational for you. Uh, I, I just want to kind of get you moving a little bit because there's, some, there, there's a tendency that we have, especially right now in our world to just sort of disconnect and to get into neutral and to just kind of float. Because there's so much going on all around us that is so overwhelming, our tendency is just to back up and say, I don't know, I'm a little overwhelmed. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if I'm ready to press in right now. And so we find ourselves kind of backing away. And I, wanna, I just want to stir you up this morning that now is the time not to be in neutral. It's not to be disengaged. Now is the time to engage. Now is the time to grow. Now is the time to plug in. Now is the time to look for the next thing that God has for us. Now, if you would, follow along in your notes. I would love it if you would do that uh, rather than playing, you know, your game on your phone. If you'd go to Uversion uh, and get the notes for today, that would be awesome. Uh, if you want to take some notes, that would be awesome. You want to open up your Bible, that would be awesome. But I just want to encourage you, don't disconnect. I just talked about being disengaged. Don't disconnect for the next 30 minutes, 25, 30 minutes, whatever we're going to be here. But, but just sort of be engaged. Don't go to sleep, okay? Be engaged here because God's going to talk to you uh, and it's going to be good. Uh, in the notes there in the version on the events tab, you'll see our first verse is Psalms chapter 11, verse 3. And if you turn there, you can do it in your physical Bible, in your digital Bible, you can do it in your notes, or you can look in the screens. It's just amazing. We've got so many options. All right, Psalms 11, 3. This is David, and he is speaking 
and he is looking at the world around him, and he's a little discouraged. And this is what he says. He says, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now, the foundations, of course, speak of bedrock, of the, the very uh, firmament upon which the rest of society is founded. It's, it's the basics. It's the basic things that if they are lost, then we are in trouble. And I don't know about you, but when I look around at the world today, it's pretty clear that just about everything around us is broken. And we hear this a lot. There's a, so many ways that we could point out lots of different examples of the systems in our world, systems in our culture, in our community, whatever, that are just broken. You know, things that just are not functioning the way they should, whether we're talking about the economy, whether we're talking about the supply chain. I mean, it just across the board, it just seems that things are broken. When we look around at the world today, there are so many things that cause us to scratch our head and go, man, I don't, this is a little, a little discouraging. It, it, it is very clear today that, that that which was formerly wrong is now right, and that which was right is now wrong. Right? It's very clear today that we seem to be in this thing where we're calling lawlessness, we're making it easier and easier for people to live just whatever way that they want. It's pretty clear that it's very difficult for us to even have a conversation today because there is so much that is broken. And so I think like David, we too have, have this thing where we look around at the, at the world, we look around at our community, we look around at our nation, and we go... Man, when the foundations are destroyed, what can we do? What are the righteous supposed to do in a moment where it just seems like everything is crumbling around us? And I don't know how you feel this morning, just to personalize it for a second, just about your own life. I mean, how are you doing in your life? How is your marriage? How is your work? How is your, your relationship with your kids or with your friends? Sometimes we look around and we go, man, my life is broken. There, there's some things that, that have eroded. There's some things that, that used to work that don't work. And, and I just, I don't know what to, what to do. It just seems that those things that used to be good are not good anymore. And maybe you're here this morning, you're just going, man, it just, I'm in a place where I look at my life and I go, man, it seems like some foundations are broken. What do you do when things are bad? What do you do when the, when the walls have, have fallen down around your city, right? When, when the systems that you had in your life that once you were doing really good and you had things organized, you, you had your money and your money was taken care of and you had your kids and your family, and now suddenly none of that seems to be working. It's all in disrepair. What do you do? Well, I think, you know, sometimes what we can do is we just can sit and cry. I mean, that's certainly one response, one that's understandable, and I've been there before. I've, I've just kind of sat and said, man, I, this is just terrible. You, you, can, you can curse the day you were born. You can say, man, I, just, I wish I would never even, things are so bad, I just wonder why in the world would God even have me here? In the scripture, we actually see a couple of guys, Jeremiah and Job, two authors in the scripture, they, they make that question because their life is so broken, so difficult at one point, they just go, man, why, why am I even here? I don't know what your response is when things are broken in your life, but I want to tell you that there is a response that David, I think, is suggesting here, because I don't think David is telling us we should just sit and cry. David is not just telling us we should curse the day we we're born, regret that we were born. David is not telling us we should shut the doors to the world and withdraw and just close out every connection from everything else and just try to be good with me, right? Sometimes that's our temptation. And let me just, I'll just, I'll hang with my family right? Forget the rest of you all, right? Because the world is so crazy, sometimes what we want to do is we just want to, we want to pull back, want to build our own little fortress and just say, no, if we, we could just create our own little world here and just forget the rest of the world, because if the rest of the world is crazy, well, I'm not crazy, I'm going to be okay. And I want to tell you, none of those responses are the responses that David, I think, is suggesting here. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, I'll tell you what the righteous could do. The righteous rebuild. The righteous see in the midst of brokenness. They look at the walls that are torn down. 
They look at the disaster that's around them. They look at the situations that seem hopeless. They look at the relationships that have been upended. They look at their family, and, and, they, and they see the possibility that it can change, that there's renewal, that there's, poss- that there's life, that things can, in fact, be restored. This is what it says in Isaiah chapter 58, verse 12. The prophet is speaking to Israel, and he's looking uh, at a time of history when he sees the nation of Israel in a place of brokenness, in a place of disrepair, right? He looks literally at their cities. They had once been a powerful nation, one of the most powerful nations in the world. Their cities were beautiful and incredible. But over time, they had lost their position. They had lost their way. They had lost their relationship with God. And they had been exiled, taken out of their country. And now all that was left was cities with broken down walls. The people were gone. There was not much left except for wild animals. All the vineyards and the orchards and the beauty that used to be there were all destroyed. And Isaiah looks, the prophet, he looks at all the brokenness. And this is what he says to the people. He says, some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Some of you, not everybody, not everybody's going to get it, not everybody's going to see it, not everybody's going to buy into it, but he says, some of you, some of you are going to be able to see beyond the destruction, beyond the brokenness, beyond the impossibility. Some of you are going to rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities, then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. Man, I want to be known as a person who rebuilds walls and restores homes. I want to be known as a person who encourages people in their marriage and helps them see their spouse once again in the way that the Lord wants them to see them and to be able to forgive them. I want to see families come back together and and fathers and mothers once again be restored in relationship with their kids and brothers and sisters who haven't talked for years suddenly find I've missed out the opportunity. I've missed well, all these years without relationship, but you know what? I'm going to grab a hold of what is left. I'm going to make it right. I'm going to ask forgiveness. I'm going to open the door. I'm going to close the gap. I'm going to make sure that what we have is not lost forever. Right? That's the kind of person I want to be a person that's invested in my community, invested in my family, invested in my church, who's known as one who rebuilds. Don't you want to be that kind of person? Don't you want to be the kind of person? There's a lot of people in the world that know how to curse the darkness, to curse the brokenness, to, 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 to wail and to, I mean, it's like we're professional complainers. We're not just any kind of complainers. We're profesh at just making sure that everybody knows how dissatisfied we are with everything that's going on in our world. And I just want to encourage you today Dissatisfaction and complaints don't do much. People that are willing to rebuild, to engage, to see hope, to bring healing in the place of brokenness, those are the people that make a difference. Those are the people that gain a reputation. Those are the people that are known as rebuilder of the walls, restorer of the broken places. And I I want to tell you this morning, and I want to challenge you this morning, if you're a Christ follower today, this is not just a nice idea. This is actually what you're called to do. This is not just something for somebody else to do who's motivational and excited and they got vision. No, no, this is not just for like some pastor to do who's telling you this is good. No, this is for you to do. If you're a Christ follower today, this is for you to do. This is not for somebody else to do because your calling and your purpose is to be a rebuilder. And I just want to challenge you. Let go of the bitterness and the anger and the, and the thing that we do where we keep repeating over and over how bad things are, I know how bad things are. I don't need you to tell me that. Neither does anybody else. I need somebody who's going to actually take my hand and see if we can do something about that. I don't need somebody to tell me how bad my life is, how broken situations are. I need somebody that says, hey, we can do something about that. Let me introduce you to someone who has the answers, who can help you in your marriage. Let me introduce you to someone who can tell you that there's a way for you out of the mess that you're in, that you don't have to be stuck in it forever, that you can go somewhere else. It's time for us to decide to take on a different kind of mantle, a different kind of calling, a different kind of attitude. I love that when Jesus saw brokenness, he didn't curse it, he healed it. 
When Jesus came and he found sick people, he didn't say, that's, you know, that's, that sucks for you. No, he actually said, let me help you with that. Let me do something about that. There's something that I can bring into the situation that's going to change it. Thank God that we serve a God who's actually interested in rebuilding and restoring. And so if you're feeling like you're broken today, that your, your, your life is messed up, you're in a good place. Because here in this place, God wants to work with you and he wants to make you into a person who rebuilds and restores. Now, just like this is a simple message today, and I hope it, it stirs you up. I hope it leaves you encouraged, and I hope ultimately you sign up for a small group. But more than anything, I want you to know that God wants your life to grow, to be different, to be changed, to be restored. That the relationships in your life, that your marriage and your friendships and your workplace can be a place for God to do some powerful things through. We need to be a church who believes that God is on the move and a church that's willing to engage with him. So I just want to give you two, sorry about that, I want to give you two, just to make sure you're awake, you know, it's good every once in a while. I told in the back, you know, if people are falling asleep, just give them a little. Two quick things I want to talk to you about. Two things you need to know if you're going to be a rebuilder. Two things you need to know if you're going to be one who restores the walls. The first thing is this. You are not here for you. It's, this is big news for some people. I want you to repeat this. Say this. It's not about me. Say it again. It's not about me. Oh, my goodness. We could preach this every weekend. We should make it into a song. It's the first song we should sing every weekend. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. We have to remember this. This is an incredibly important principle. It begins here. It's not about me. Mark chapter 10 says this. This is Jesus speaking. This is not just some nice guy that's telling us. This is the guy that's the centerpiece of the universe. He says in Mark chapter 10, verse 43, but among you, it will be different. Among you will be different. You know, Jesus is different. The Jesus way is different. It's, there's a reason that we call the Jesus way the upside down kingdom is because Jesus often did the very opposite of what the world expects of the way that the world works. And so if you and I are not different from the rest of the world, if we're not different from our unsaved friends and the way that we act, behave, and live our life, then something is wrong. You should actually be a little weird, right, in comparison with the rest of the world. So if you find in yourself like, you know, I'm just looking like everybody else, well, maybe it's time for you to be a little different. So Jesus says, among you, it's going to be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. Say what? In, in our culture today, sort of the, the woke culture that we live in, the message that we hear over and over again is that you deserve it. You're worth it. Put you first. Your needs your family's needs, put them first. And I just want to tell you, Jesus says, that is exactly wrong. That's exactly upside down. Actually, according to the scripture, when we put ourselves first, what we're doing is we're actually, it's called sowing to the flesh. Because your flesh is all about you. Your flesh wants you to get your way. It's about your desires, it's about your promotion, it's about your pleasure, it's about your priorities, it's about your personal life, it's about you and nobody else. And the Jesus way is different. Jesus says, no, actually, the way it is going to be with you, if you're a Christ follower, the way it's with you is that you're going to be a servant, and not just a servant, you're going to be a slave of everyone else. I wish he just would have said just, you know, like, a few people. Right? I wish he would have just said, well, a slave to the, the nice people who treat you good. A, a slave to the people that, you know, have the same views as you. A slave to people that understand, right, the, the right way to live their life. They, they understand right and wrong. He doesn't say that. I don't understand why Jesus doesn't say the things I want him to say. He says, no, you're going to be a slave to everyone else. Verse 45, for even the Son of Man, here's our example, Jesus himself came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life 
as ransom for many. It's not about us. If you're taking notes, you might write this down. My life is meaningful when I give it all to God. If you really want your life to have meaning, if you really want to be successful, if you really want to live for something that will outlive you, then you're going to have to live for God. You're going to have to give it all to him. I just want to say that this morning. Young person, if you're here today, what's a young person today? I don't know. If you're under 20, if you're under 20, young person, your life is truly meaningful only if you live it for God. Single person, if you're here today, listen, your life is not meaningful just if you find finally that right person for you. That, that's not the right way to live your life. That's the lie from, from the, the, the enemy. The truth is your life has meaning truth, truly and wholly when you give it all to God. Married person, your life only has meaning, not when you're happy in your marriage, when you fully give your life to God. Retired person, old person, young person, beautiful person, every kind of person, your life, everybody in the room is meaningful. Give me a different mic, please, because this one is killing me. <laughs> only if you live it for God. Romans 6.13 says this, give yourselves completely. Somebody say completely. Completely. Give yourselves completely to God since you have been given new life. See, Jesus came and he gave us new life. He gave us an open door to heaven. He gave us a hope and a future. He adopted us into his family. We're no longer orphans. That's what Lisa said today during the transition. He says, no, we're not orphans. God has given us everything that we need. He's given us all that we need, his armor, his gifts, his spirit. He, we're never alone because he's given everything that we need. That's why we are to give ourselves, Paul says, completely to God and to use our whole body as a tool to do what is right for the glory of God. Now, the problem is, is that we don't take this seriously. The problem is, is that we forget. I mean, I know you're like me. You get distracted, you forget, you start thinking, oh, that's right, you know, life is so good, God is so good, he wants me to be blessed. Of course God wants you to be blessed. God does want your life to be good, but he also, and most importantly, wants you to live your life wholly for him. Whoever told you that you could serve God part-time lied to you. But we fall into that all the time, don't we? We, we? we find ourselves partially giving ourselves to God. I mean, like, there is no such thing as your spiritual life being part of your life, but that's the way we think about it, right? We think about our life, and if our life is a pie, if it's a big circle, and we start to divvy out our life, we say, well, this is, this is my family life, and this is my friendship life, and this is my work life, and this is my whatever life, and then over here we put, and this is my spiritual life. And it's, it's a part of the whole, and the reality is, no, 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 your spiritual life, that is the whole. Every part of your life is to be transformed by your spiritual life. Every part of your life is to be given to Christ, lived for Christ, lived under Christ, lived through the power of his spirit. It is all about him. It is not for ourselves. We are merely slaves to the master who, we des who deserves all of our lives because he has given all for us. And so we have to sort of get rid of this, kill it, whatever we need to do of this mentality that somehow we can give part of our life to God. Well, if I just get there on the weekends... If, if, you know, it's just a little bit addition. I just need a little pick-me-up. No, your life is to be given to the master. I love this story. Some of you know David Livingston. He was a missionary in Africa in the 1900s, well-known missionary. And he went to uh, Africa when there were very few Christians going there. And, uh, and, and a missions organization was interested in supporting the work of David Livingston. And so they wrote him a letter, and this is what they said. They said, have you found a good road to where you are? If so, we want to know how to send men to join you. They were like, yeah, we, we want to help with what you're doing. David, you're doing a good thing. This is what Livingston wrote back. If you have men who will come only if they know there is a good road, I don't want them. I want men who will come if there is no road at all. We have to understand that the thing that we're called to as followers of Christ 
is to give everything. That he paid the ultimate price, so we are called to give our entire lives. He doesn't want to play patty cake or have these. He doesn't want to play just nice games. He wants us to understand that everything that we are, all that we do, everything that we say, the things that we watch, all of that is to be given to him, for him, and through him. And we have to live our life differently. And so wherever you have bought into the lie that God is going to get a part of you or that following him is a part-time thing, let me just say, I'm going to challenge you, give it up right now. Wherever you have turned down your commitment level to the Lord, it's time to turn it back up again. And and we tend to do that, right? We get distracted, we get disconnected, we go through things that are difficult, and we just kind of like turned, well, maybe I won't be fully committed. And we kind of just dial it back just a little bit. I just want to encourage you, it's it's time to dial it back up again. It's time to ratchet up your commitment. Remember, you're not here for you. Say it one more time. I'm not here for me. Number two, if you thought the first one was tough, wait till the second one. The second one is this. You have to discipline yourself. Oh, the D word. I hate the D word. Repeat after me. I need discipline. Ah, discipline. We all hate discipline. Proverbs says an interesting thing. It it says that whoever doesn't discipline their children hates them. Right? Because Because if you love your kids, you want to help them understand what's good and what's not good. And I don't know about you, but kids are dumb. They don't, they, I mean, I don't understand what's going on with their culture. Now suddenly we have decided that these kids, like, they're smart. They ain't smart. They don't know nothing, right? They, I mean, they're, they're, they're learning everything, and then we're decide we're allowing them to make decisions about life. They don't have a clue. My wife recently had a crisis of conscience. She was, she was beating herself up. She thought, man, she said, I think, Andrew, we, maybe we were too tough on the kids when they were growing up. Now, there's no way that we were too tough on the kids, at least in my mind, right? At least in my mind. Thank God for a woman who's sensitive. So we, 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 we went to one of our kids, and, and, and we, we said, uh, she said to him, you know what, uh, were we too tough on you when we disciplined you? And he said, Mom, he said, I needed that. Like, I, I, I needed to know what was right and what was wrong. I, I need, I mean, it's like he said, thank you for doing that, because there's something about discipline that helps us understand the way that we should go. Discipline is a good thing. It's a painful thing, but it's something that is a sign of love from our Father. And so when we say here that we all need discipline and we have to discipline ourselves, we're talking about something that's important. It's essential. It's critical to our life. We know we need it, but because it's painful, we're not attracted to it, right? Because nobody likes discipline. We're talking about Discipline. First Timothy 4, 7 says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Paul says, actually, there's something that we need to do. We need to actually put ourselves under discipline so that we could become more godly, more like God. This is a different translation. It says, spend your time and energy in the exercise of keeping spiritually fit. Now, we understand physical fitness, right? And so it's, it's, so it's easy for us to make some analogies here between physical fitness and spiritual fitness. First of all, I just want to say this, that disciplines, when we're talking about discipline, we're, what we're talking about is habits. We're talking about developing healthy habits, building healthy habits into your life so that your life becomes better. And we understand what this means when it comes to physical fitness, right? Because we all understand that we are supposed to be physically fit. We're supposed to keep care of our bodies, and we're supposed to eat right, and we're supposed to exercise, and we're supposed to go to the gym, and we're supposed to do all this stuff to make sure that we are healthy in our, in our bodies. And it's an important thing. And so we spend time doing it, and we understand that in order to do it, it's going to require some discipline from us. It doesn't... It doesn't do any good for us to buy a gym membership and not actually go to the gym. How many of you have done that? I've done that before, right? 
Maybe one time or two times I went to that stupid gym, spent a lot of money for those two times. It was like a couple hundred dollars for that visit, I think. That's the, that's the way it works, right? I mean, but, we, but no one gets physically fit by accident, right? Nobody's like, whoa, check it out. Man, this is fantastic. You know, it, just, it doesn't happen that way. Nobody gets physically fit by accident. You have to make a decision to commit yourself to healthy habits. You have to begin to change the way that you eat. You have to begin to change the way that you exercise. You have to change some of the ways that you're doing life in order for you to see change in your life. And so you actually embrace pain in order to see something positive come out because without pain, without discipline, you're not going to get the gain, right? You're not going to get the thing that is good. And so it requires us to, to step into an area that is uncomfortable in order to get something that's beneficial out of what we're investing in. But it doesn't happen by accident. Now, I think it's so interesting if we go on the next verse, we just read, right, what Paul says that discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. In the next verse, he says this. He says, physical training is good. Physical fitness is good, right? I mean, th that's great. Some of you are really fantastic in regards to your physical fitness, right? Some of you spend hours in the gym. I'm like, like some of you are sick in the head. Like you enjoy going to the gym, right? Some of you are physical specimens, and then some of you are just specimens. <laughs> I don't know, it's a lame joke. He says, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Now, we all understand the idea of physical fitness. And our culture is really all about it, right? And so much is invested in that and, you know, all the equipment that we have at our houses that ends up being hangers for clothes and all those types. of we understand what we're supposed to do, right? We understand diets and eating right and all that kind of stuff. And that's all good. And we actually should invest time and energy into the care of our own physical being. If we did, many of us would not be sick. Right? I mean, if we actually cared for our bodies, we wouldn't be dealing, we wouldn't have to take as many pills as we take, right? Because we're taking a pill because we won't eat right. And, and you know, and, and so if we would just keep care of our plant a little bit better, our physical plant, then we would discover that some of those things would go away, right? Our knees, I won't go into it, it just, you just got to, you know what I'm saying, so I don't want to belabor it. But it's important for us to keep care of ourselves physically speaking, but Paul says that's not the most important he says, you can spend hours at the gym all day long. You can eat right all day long. You can look like a one incredible muscle man. But that is not what's critical. What's most important, he says, is training for godliness. What's most important is the eternal. What's most important is your spiritual fitness. There's something higher than physical fitness. There's, there's something that's better something that actually will result in your life, your family, your marriage, your community being transformed. If you want to rebuild the walls of your life, if you want to be the kind of person that's a repairer of the breach, a restorer of homes to dwell in, then you're going to have to be the kind of person that understands how to discipline yourself, spiritually speaking, which means you're going to have to put yourself in a place of discomfort and of pain in order to see the good result. Go to the gym, right? You got to, I hate going to the gym. Right? I mean, that is just the worst. You know, you go there, and you try to psych yourself up, and you put your music in, so they oh, yeah, get on, you know, Rocky, and you're going, and then, but you're, you're causing pain to yourself, right? You're lifting weights, or you're doing whatever, you're getting on the bike, you're doing on the treadmill, whatever you do, right, in order, it causes pain to yourself because something positive happens on the other side. If you want to grow spiritually, you're going to have to create some pain in your life. It ain't just going to happen by accident. Just like no one gets physically fit by accident, you don't get spiritually fit by accident either. You don't get spiritually fit by just, you know, just buying a Bible and sitting it there. I got it. You have to actually engage in healthy habits. 
You got to be willing to to pay the price. You got to be willing to be uncomfortable. So, you know, when we talk about things like small groups and invite you into small groups, when we talk about prayer, when we talk about getting into into relationship with other people, that is such a pain. I mean, it's so uncomfortable. If you've ever been in a small group, I've been to so many small groups. I've been to, I grew up in the church. Small groups, they can be weird and difficult because people are weird and difficult, right? I mean, I've been to small groups. I've, it was felt awkward. It's like, what am I doing here? Every time I commit to a small group, every single time when it comes to the hour, when it's time for the small group, I go, is there any way I can get out of this? Because it's not comfortable. Even if I like the people, I got to leave my house, right? I, I, I don't, I don't want to get ready. I don't want to get my, whatever it is. It's, but if I'm willing to pay the price, if I'm willing to push through the pain, I have found every single time it's worth it. I have found every single time that there is something that's good on the other side of me choosing to do the healthy habit, even though in the moment it was uncomfortable, I didn't like it, right? I didn't have people cheering me. You could do it, Andrew. No, nobody cheers you on at 6 o'clock in the morning when you go to the gym. Nobody cheers you on at 6 o'clock in the morning when you decide to pray or when you decide to go to, to your small group. You just have to decide. I, it's worth it. I'm building something. I'm rebuilding my life. I'm rebuilding my spiritual walk with Christ. I'm getting to a different place. I don't want to be in the same place tomorrow as I am today. Well, you're going to have to do something in order to get there. If you want tomorrow to be different, you better be different now. You better make some different choices now. You better decide, I'm going to start to do things differently. We started out with a verse out of Isaiah, chapter 58. I want to read a little bit more of that passage to you because it talks about what we need to engage in. It talks about these people who are wall builders and restorers, and, and it talks to us about how we can do this. And it's such a powerful, a powerful section. Uh, the prophet is, as I said before, he's speaking to the nation of Israel that's been out uh, of their own land and their cities are destroyed, and he's speaking prophetically to them, and he says, if you want it to be different, this is what you're going to have to do. Verse 9 says, if you get rid of unfair practices... Quit blaming victims. Quit gossiping about other people's sins. Boy, we could just sit right there for a minute, right? If you are generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. You want to hear God's voice? This, this tells you the keys right here. If you, you feel like in your life, you're like, man, I don't know, God, what do you want me to do next? What, what's next for me? I'm going to tell you, this, this is the secret right here. You live by these verses, and God says, I'm going to speak to you. I will always show you where to go. I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places. Thank God that he loves to give people full lives even though around them it's a desert. We live in a place that's broken. We live in a desert in the Central Valley. God can give you a full life in the midst of challenging circumstances and situations, in the midst of brokenness all around us. It says, I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places, firm muscles, strong bones. You'll be like a well watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew. Rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything. Restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate. Make the community livable again. All right, how do you do it? Just very quickly as, as we come towards the conclusion. Two things I see here. You got to stop some things and you got to start some things. Stop and start. You got to stop some things if you want to see change, if you want to be a rebuilder, and you're going to start some things. You got to stop. Well, what does he say? He says, Well, get rid of unfair practices. Stop blaming others. Stop gossiping. Some things you need to stop in your life if you want to be a rebuilder. You know, you, you probably need to stop feeding yourself bitterness, and anger. 
We have this tendency in our culture where we just feel like it's our right to complain and to be bitter and to be angry about the things that are going on around us. And I just want to tell you and encourage you, choose something different. Stop that. It doesn't yield the fruit of righteousness. It doesn't yield good things. And I have found myself in this season, oftentimes it's so easy for me to allow anger to propel my actions or propel my words. And we find we do it to each other. We start to complain and we all we start to feel like, oh well, we're we're being righteous. This is righteous anger. Yeah, this these things are wrong, you know, and we'll get and we'll start to get ourselves worked up and we'll get pulled and pushed into a direction that we should never go. Why? Because we're feeding our anger and our bitterness. We, we need to stop some things. We need to stop finding sexual fulfillment in places outside of the boundaries of our marriage and outside the boundaries of what the Lord has told us. We have to, we have to stop looking for satisfaction in places that God says, that's not for you. You've got to stay away from it. We have to actually stop some things if we want to grow. We have to stop escaping into empty and meaningless activities and, and entertainment and things that are just they don't yield anything good. It's time to stop some stuff. Stop wasting, stop wasting our time. I'm not just talking to you. I'm, I'm preaching to me as much as anybody else. We find it so easy to fill our time with things that don't really make any difference. We're really good in our world of, of numbing out and distracting ourselves. And One of the worst things we got is this right here. Just give me a few minutes. i got to answer some texts. I find it so easy to be distracted. Stop eating stuff that you shouldn't eat. I ain't talking just about physical food. Stop feeding yourself stuff that you shouldn't, shouldn't eat. Secondly, you need to start. Stop some things and start some things. Verse 10 says, if you're generous with the hungry, and you start giving yourselves to the down and out, something different's going to happen. It's living differently. It's living sacrificially. It's giving sacrificially, right? It's, it's choosing to live your, your life in a way that is limited so that you can be of use to other people. That's what sacrificial living is. Sacrificial living is deciding to limit the way that you live your life so that you have margin to be able to be a blessing to others. Sacrificial giving is, is when you decide in your finances, I'm not going to spend every last dime. Because if I spend every last dime, then I'm of no use when someone has a need. And so I'm going to limit my wants, my desires, I'm going to limit my personal stuff so that I can actually be a blessing to others, that's actually what we need to start. We need to start living differently. If you say no to your wants more often, you'll be able to say yes to other people's needs. When's the last time that you told yourself no? My guess is you need to tell yourself no a little bit more often. You need to perhaps, well, this is what it says in the Old Testament. God actually tells the people of Israel, you need to afflict your own soul. Paul says it this way, beat your body up so that it's your slave and it's not your master. He says, beat your body into submission because your body, if, if you let it rule you, is going to be a terrible master. It's a great slave. We all, we all know that, right? But when our body gets, when our appetites get out of control, then it, our body starts to tell us, well, you need to eat this, you need to go there, you need to do this. You know, and, and we, we, that's, nobody likes to be driven like that. And so Paul says, hey, remember, you have to actually direct your body. You have to be in control of yourself. You have to decide to be different and you have to be willing to do the things that are necessary in order to open yourself up for God to work. And so you gotta say no to yourself in order for him to step in and be able to work inside of you. So I just want to encourage you today. What are you saying no to so that you can say yes to the things that will make eternal consequence? There are certain things that will make eternal changes in relationships and in lives. There are certain things that you give yourself to that will echo into the future, into eternity. That's why I love 
building the church. That's why I think you should be engaged in building the church because the church is God's people. When you build the church, you're building something that's not just for you and me, it's, you're building something that's for future generations, for transforming communities, for being a life source for entire cities, right? That's why Koinonia, right? We're, we're not just about like, hey, let's just get together and sing some nice music and make each other feel good and give each other high fives. No, we're here not to close the doors so that the world can stay outside and we can be inside huddled together. Yeah, we're gonna, no, no, we're here to make a difference. We're here to shine the light of, of, and hope that God has for, to this community, in this community. So we're going to keep showing up. We're going to keep doing the healthy habits. We're going to keep doing the disciplines. You need to do that in your life as well. Committing yourself to things that make eternal consequence, that make an eternal difference. I was talking with uh, TJ Tamayo, who's one of our missionaries, uh, just this week. And, uh, and we were talking about how difficult the last year has been. Anybody understand what you're what we're talking about? <laughs> and he, he's in Taiwan. He and his wife and family are in Taiwan. They've been giving themselves uh, to the ministry there. And, and this last year in particular for them has been tough because they've been at a crossroads and kind of been frozen. They haven't been able to do the kind of ministry they wanted to do. And they were really wondering what's next. And they weren't sure if they were supposed to come home, if they're supposed to stay. They were having a difficult time. And uh, so he was talking with his wife about this, Katrina, and Katrina said to him, TJ, we need to get plugged in to our, our local church. Now, they live on the coast in Taiwan, and they're, they're, they're not in the big city, and, uh, and, and there's a, there was a church in the city that uh, they felt like they needed to connect with. And she said, she said, I learned in my life that when things are uncertain, when I'm not sure of the next step, when, when, I, when I don't know and I, and I feel like, you know, I, a little bit adrift that I need to plug into things that are foundational, that I need to plug into things that are healthy and consistent, whether I feel it or not. And so she said, we, we, we need to get into a church. We need to serve in a church. We need to be committed to the church. We need to get in a small group. And, you know, we're not going to go just to lead. We're going to go to get involved and to su support and to build uh, because that's what you do when you're uncertain. That's what you do when you're disconnected. That's what you do when you're not sure of the next step. You go back to the foundations. When David says the foundations are destroyed, what do you do? You go back to what you know. You go back to the foundations. You say, okay, God, I'm plugging into what I know is true. And so some of us today, I know some of you today are feeling like you're in neutral. You're feeling like, man, I, I don't know. I, I, the whole last year has put me back on my heels. And, and, I, and you found yourself a little disconnected and you haven't, you're, you're not as engaged as you were in the things of God. And I just want to say it's, it's just time to re-engage. You just plug back in. You just say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to do it because you called me to do it. This is the foundational thing for me. I need relationships that are healthy. I need to build something that's eternal. I need to be engaged in places that, that build my family, that build my marriage, that build my kids. I'm going to invest there. And so you just plug in. And I know this morning that there's some that came in today and you've said to yourself, my life is a mess. And I don't, I don't even know if God can do anything. You, you've, you've looked at your life and you see the walls of your life and they are broken. And I just want to say you're in the right place because God loves to rebuild people's lives. He is in the business of taking things that are broken and bringing them back to life. And it starts with you putting yourself in the right place. It starts with you engaging with him, of stopping some things that are empty and meaningless and destructive and starting some things that will make a difference forever in your life and your family. So I just wanna encourage you, as I said at the beginning, step it up a notch, engage at a higher level, maybe get into a group this season. Why? Because they're fun? No, they're terrible. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> because you need it. Because it's a healthy habit that will help you grow. Now, you'll meet some great people. You'll build relationship. You'll find and discover that you're not the only one that struggles. You, you'll, you'll discover that, oh, I, I'm, I'm surrounded by a group of people that are also on journey. I can tell you all the positives of being in a group, but I want to tell you, ultimately, you just have to decide it's worth it for me to engage. It's worth it for me to step up to the plate. You're struggling in your marriage state. It's worth it for you.
to go to another level of commitment and engagement with your spouse. It's worth it for you to invest. Don't give up. Be a rebuilder of the walls. Be a restorer of the breach. Maybe you got relationships in your lives that are broken. You haven't, I talked with someone just this week that they hadn't spoken with their, uh, their sister for 10 years. And because of something that happened, they were able to pick up the phone and restore that relationship because they realized, I shouldn't have let this much time pass. I got to deal with the business. just want to encourage you. It's time to deal with business. It's time to get into those commitments that will change your life, will open yourself up to what God wants to do. Would you stand to your feet and let me pray for you? Maybe for you today, that is the thing for you is to plug into a group, and I want to encourage you to do that for sure. I want the whole church to be on board, but it's not about what we're studying as much as studying this together. God's going to do some, some good things, and so we want to prepare ourselves. But what do you need to do? I mean, maybe you need to get into uh, a group of friends who are Christian friends and just say, hey, would you, would you study God's word with me? Would you study the study with me? Right? Start your own group. If you don't want to go to one of our groups, that's cool. Get into a group. Start a group. Grow. Maybe for you, you need to stop some things today. You need to, to stop doing some things that are destructive. Break off some things out of your life. Would you just bow your head with me? Thank you, God, for the way that you have opened heaven for us. Thank you, Lord, that you are the rebuilder of walls, that you're the repairer of the breach. Thank you, Jesus, that you've called us into relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, that you, you haven't left us by ourselves, that you've adopted us. If, and if you're here today and you need Jesus and you don't have a relationship with him, I just want to say right now, today is the day for you to take care of that business. And if you need to give your life wholly to him, maybe you've just done it kind of halfways, you haven't been fully committed, you found yourself, you know, liking the idea of Jesus, but you haven't actually had a relationship with Jesus, I just want to say today's the day. And if you'd like to pray that prayer and say, God, I want all of it, just raise your hand. We want to pray with you. Anyone here today that needs to make that decision? Yes, I see that hand. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just all pray this together. Lord Jesus, I need you. Would you save me? I'm sorry for the past. I'm asking you to give me a new future. Would you make me new? Would you give me a fresh start? I want to give my whole life to you. Amen. Amen, amen. Begins always just with full, full commitment. Bow your head one more time. Let me just bless you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the people of God. Thank you for the purposes and the plans that you have for us. Lord, I'm just praying that you would stir us up today to take things to a higher level. Would you make us a church that is alive, that is aligned, that is moving together for your purposes? God, would you make us restore of the breaches? Would you make us rebuilders of the walls? Would you make us the kind of people who ha heal marriages, Lord, and restore families and build communities and see lives that are broken and are able to have vision for them and to speak life into them? Make us people who are willing to roll up our sleeves and be engaged. God, would you open our eyes so that we could see how you have prepared us for such a time as this, that we wouldn't miss what you have. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen, amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the message, and we hope to see you on a Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Visit us online at kchamford.com, and if you want to support our ministry, click Give. Cornelia Church, passion for God, compassion for people.